welcome to all of you. If you're watching us online, and I have tried to ignore the fact that we've been online for the last few moments. Actually, I've tried to do that most of the time. Nevertheless, you can uh, switch the iPad back on, please. Psalms 143, verse number 10. I want to read one verse to you here at the beginning. Teach me to do thy will. For thou art my God, thy spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. Let's pray. Praise God. Father, thank you for this opportunity to be in your presence again tonight. Thank you for the privilege of being a part of your work, your kingdom, your body. Thank you for calling us out of darkness into your marvelous light. I pray, God, that you would speak to us this evening through your word, that you would give us ears to hear, hearts to receive, that we would be open, not just what you want to say, but to what you might want to do in our lives. Let our hearts be good ground. Let us be clay that is pliable in the hands of the potter. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Tonight's part two of the will of God. I want to just maybe remind you of one thing, I think, at this point from last week and and remind you some of the context of this. And again, I used what are two business terms. They're not biblical terms, but I felt like they were very uh, accurate in what I was trying to get across. And so when it comes to the will of God, there there is a, a macro and a micro will of God. And again, for refresher and quick explanation, if you weren't here, to me, the micro is the big decisions. They sound a little bit contradictory, but the micro to me is those life-altering, life-affecting decisions. First and foremost to me that's in that category has to do usually with marriage. Who is the will of God for me to marry? Ministry decisions, ministry direction, where you live, what your future is. But there's more to the will of God than just a few big decisions in your life. And so again, the macro, the big picture will of God is in essence the Word of God. And there is a will of God for every aspect of your life, for every moment of the day. I mean, most of those really big decisions in my life have all been made. I found out who to marry. At this point, I know where I'm called to minister. Does that mean I don't have to worry about the will of God anymore? Absolutely not. And hopefully the next time we uh, say the next time, next week is youth camp. I won't be here. Um, But since all of you love, no matter who ministers, you'll be here. Amen. Amen. Uh, but hopefully the next time, I, I, I hope to be able to kind of hone in on just sort of, I, I don't know, maybe the significance of the, of the will of God. Uh, in fact, I touched on it last week. Jesus says, not everyone that saith to me, Lord, Lord. We prophesied, we did this, we did that in your name. And he says, I never knew you. And, and what he's looking for was those who did his will. 
So therefore, the will of God, again, I finished my point. I, I got the marriage part, the ministry part, so I, maybe I did finish that point, but I'll say it again. I, I don't, you know, at this point, I don't, I don't know what big decisions are left in my future unless God just decides to change some directions. So again, we don't reach some point where we don't have to worry about the will of God anymore. So David says, teach me, teach me to do thy will. Jonathan, you got a phone with you? Uh, let, let, me, let me, I want to show you how to make a phone call, okay? Do you need me to do that? Why? I know how to do it. You already know how to do it. You don't need to be taught something you know how to do. You don't need somebody to teach you to do what you already know how to do. And David says, teach me to do thy will. For thou art my God, thy spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. Teach me to do thy will. I think the reason David was praying that, and we all should pray that, is because it is, it, it is not in our nature to know how, or it's not in our nature to want to do the will of God. And so David prays and he asks God, teach me. Now, I, I, I shared with you last week the, the basic definition or one of the definitions of the word will is not really in its, in its, as you read it, it's not a command. The word wish is used in one of those definitions. It's, it, it's what God wishes. Yes, it's what God wants. And, and, and we ought to know that what God wants should be more than a wish. But, but it's the, the, in the definition of the word will, it, it's nowhere, uh, at least that I have found, where it is, it is viewed as a, you better do this. You should do this. There's no better life to live than a life lived in the will of God. No better life. I know a bunch of them are now gone. Part of the reason I interrupted the VBS because thankfully, wonderfully, there's a lot of youth and young adults that are volunteering for that, and that is so awesome. But they're also the, most of the ones that had any knowledge of what I shared with you already. <laughs> thankfully, a bunch of you were clueless. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Being in the know is not a great thing. You know what? You, if you want to determine that that kind of lifestyle is okay, have at it. At 29 years of marriage, with a wonderful wife, with a great relationship, wouldn't trade it for the world, why would I want to accept that mess? So he says, teach me. So I want you to watch this. God will not violate our will. Right? I don't know about you, but there, I think there are sometimes I kind of wish God would just go ahead and just twist my arm and make, because he's ultimately, what he's wanting me to do is the best thing for me. But he doesn't do that. Yes, 
He deals with us through our circumstances. He does try to use things to get our attention. But at the end of the day, we actually can convince Him to leave us alone and to eventually give us what is contrary to His will because we are so persistent in wanting it. The children of Israel kept complaining and complaining and complaining about what they were eating in the wilderness. We want meat. That's what we had in Egypt. We want meat. And finally God says, okay, you want meat, you're going to get meat. And the scripture says they got so much eat meat, it was coming out their nose. You better be careful when you convince God to give you what is contrary to what he wants to give you. Because it's not going to turn out the way you thought it was going to turn out. Whew, man, I, it's just... <sighs> so, so God won't violate our will. But I want you to see what David's request is. What this word teach is. The word teach, according to Strong's, it is a primitive root... Properly to goad, by implication to teach, the rod being an oriental incentive. (laughs) It means to instruct. But I want you to notice the beginning of that. It is to goad. It's to poke. It's to push. So God in his nature and who he is will not violate your will. But in essence, to me, what David was saying was, God, I am giving you permission. I am giving you permission to do what you may not do in your nature without it. And so I want you to goad me. I want you to use the rod to get my attention. The rod being an oriental incentive. That sounds so cool, doesn't it? My dad's belt was an American incentive. In case you're missing the interpretation there. (laughs) But I want you to notice David is asked, how contrary is that to what I just shared and the mentality of our world today in Christianity? I mean, look, I, I need to leave it alone. I know I need to leave it alone, but I can't. I'm trying. I can't. If, if I'd have told you that picture was, was some rock and roll star, you wouldn't have want to seen it, but you would Why? Because we understand. We, as apostolics, if you, you want to get on your high horse, I, it, I think two years ago now, I taught several Thursday nights about the Pharisees. We have no right to have a Pharisaical attitude, but taking a stand against sin does not automatically make you a Pharisee. Buddy, all about the love of Jesus, he turned over tables. He kicked people out of the temple. He told the Pharisees, you're dead men's bones. He wasn't patty caking with them. He was kind and loving to that adulterous woman. He was kind and loving to Nicodemus at night. 
He didn't go, he didn't send word back to Nick. To, you know what? You go tell Nicodemus if he wants to talk to me, I'll meet him in the middle of the day tomorrow where everybody can see him. He didn't do that. You want to meet me at night, Nicodemus? That's where you are. And that's okay for you to be there. But when you're a disciple and you're a born-again believer, that's, we don't meet at night anymore. We were having a discussion with a couple of people at my house yesterday. Actually, it was a couple of these younger guys. And, 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 and I'm not going to call names on this one. So. But a very well-known contemporary Christian music singer today who graduated from a United Pentecostal Church Bible school, who is now one of the most popular singers. He's never lost a battle. And call no names. <laughs> listen, I, I listen. Some of y'all can appreciate this. Jacob, I listened to I had to go up to Baltimore, get some stuff for out back yesterday, trying to help Brother Johnson out because he's working so hard and, instead of him driving for a couple hours. And so I turned on a Justin Gleason podcast. I think I'm going to listen to Justin Gleason at least once every two or three weeks. Because every time I listen to him, I'm like, I thought I was plain and straightforward and blunt. I'm, I'm like kindergarten. The dude's like, you know, high school. I'm kindergarten. Why was I saying that? There we go. Oh, yes. So this guy says that he apparently, and I'm, was said that he has said he's operating as an undercover He's operating undercover to be able to reach others. Awesome. Please give me one scriptural reference where God condones operating undercover. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing. Uh, be ye holy, for I am holy. What fellowship has light with darkness? Um, where is believers blending to reach sinners? Say it again. I, yeah, are there, are there critical judgmental people? Yes, but I'm telling you, I think there are people that don't want anything to do with church because why go and hang out there with people that are doing everything else you're doing? What's the point? Teach me. Prod me. I'm, I want you, God. I'm giving you permission. While you may not, in, the, in your nature, you may not control, you may not force people to do things, I am pleading with you, God. Teach me to do your will. Why? Because your spirit is good. It's leads your will leads me to the land of uprightness. Listen to what I, I don't know if David wrote all three of these, but listen to what these psalms. He probably did because they sound kind of similar. Listen, and it, it doesn't say the, the it doesn't say it quite the same way, but it's saying the same thing. Psalms eighty six and eleven. Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to to fear thy name. Psalm 25 and 3, 
Yay. I don't know if y'all can read that. I can't read this. I ought to learn this by now. (laughs) Yay. Let none that wait on thee be ashamed. Let them be ashamed which transgress without cause. Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Lead me in truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation on thee. Do I wait all the day? 2711, teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. The way, the truths, all of those things in the context of this lesson tonight are all the will of God. So it wasn't just a one-time prayer where David said, teach me to do your will. There were several places where he reminded God, I want you to teach me. I want you to teach me. I want you to goad me. I want you to use the rod if you need to use the rod to get my attention. I don't think to my knowledge, I'm pretty sure uh, at least it's not clearly stated that David wrote Psalms 119. In fact, if I'm not mistaken from my trying to figure it out, I think someone else may have. But I I use the verse, I forget, Sunday morning or Sunday night. That entire chapter that's all about, really, it's all about the Word of God. 176 verses. It's like 170 verses that have some reference in that verse to the Word of God. Precepts, statutes, judgments, commandments, testimonies, etc. It's like 170 verses have one of those words in it. And after all of that, at the very end, he says, Like a lost sheep, I've gone astray. So I think perhaps maybe that's why David was intent on several times saying, God... It wasn't a one-time thing, God. I really mean it. Teach me your way. Don't let up on me, God. Teach me your way. Don't, 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 don't let it be a one-time thing, God. Keep prodding. Keep poking. Keep pushing me, God, to walk in your truth. Walk in your way. Walk in your will. Biblical illustrator says this. With regards to the will of God, aspiration revealed. The great essential in a religious life is active obedience to God's will. The great essential to a religious life is active obedience to God's will. The knowledge is not in itself religious. But the Christian is that faithful and wise servant when the Lord, when he cometh, shall find him doing. Hence, perfection of character consists not in knowledge, but obedience. Obedience is superior to knowledge. It is possible for a man to have a scriptural creed and to have an ungodly heart. The question must ever be, is thine heart right? For if you know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. Knowledge alone is positively criminal. (laughs) 
Knowledge alone is positively criminal. How vast the dishonor done to God when a, when a, with a perfect knowledge of duty, the man is ne- neglectful of his privilege and refuses the obedience which of right he owes to God. The possession of the knowledge will be but an aggravation of the offense. Not about just how much do you know? What, what are you doing with it? How is it affecting you? How is it influencing your life? What, what aspects of your life is it not influencing? Because it should be influencing every aspect of your life. Very similar thing is said in Hebrews 13 and 20. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work. Why? Make you perfect in every good work to do His will. Working in you that which is well-pleasing in His sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul, Paul, assuming Paul wrote Hebrews, is saying, he's, he, he, he's praying here that God would make you perfect in every good work so that you can do His will. Paul says that the fivefold ministry, Ephesians tells us the fivefold ministry is for the perfecting of the saints to do the work of their ministry. But here it says God's perfection is about you doing His will. The Amplified says it this way, strengthen, complete, perfect, and make you what you ought to be, and equip you with everything good that you may carry out His will. While He Himself works in you and accomplishes that which is pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ the Messiah, to whom be the glory forever and ever to the ages of the ages. Amen. So be it. The Message Bible says it this way, Now I put you together, provide you with everything you need to please Him. Make us into what gives Him most pleasure by means of the sacrifice of Jesus, the Messiah. All glory to Jesus forever and always. Oh yes, yes, yes. Let Him put you together, provide you with everything you need to please Him. Do, do we on, can, can we honestly say, I didn't say you, I said we. Can we honestly say that we are truly, genuinely concerned that in everything I do, everything I say, everything I think, that in everything I am pleasing Him. Everything. I, I, don't, I don't know how 
we can involve ourselves in some of the things we involve ourselves in if we are truly cared, cared about pleasing Him. When it comes to pleasing Him, your opinion doesn't matter. When it comes to pleasing Him, my opinion doesn't matter. I know some have already gone, and hopefully they'll catch this later, but I beg of you, if you ever, if you ever just sit there and write off anything that I'm saying as, well, that's just Pastor Wright's opinion. You, 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 don't, you don't understand Scripture because it is a dangerous thing for a man or woman of God to share their opinion, especially when it comes to setting standards. I, you can think what you want to think. The last thing in the world, I, not the last thing, one of the last things in the world I ever want to do is to say, preach or teach, you've got to do this when you only have to do this. Because i got to give account for that. The flip side is, to the best of my ability, I'm not going to tell you you got to do this if this is what you got to do. It's a trick of the enemy to call saints to sit and critique what a pastor, a man or woman of God preaches and teaches and write it off. Dad, yeah, just opinion. Do you know who always does that? The people that want to write it off as opinion are the people that disagree because it would mean they would have to change. They said it already. Everybody that's jumping to the defense of that photo, you mark it down. They got stuff they're hiding. Mark it down. New Living Translation. May he equip you with all you need for doing his will. That's what's so amazing. Naturally speaking, any, any of you ever, I can't think of an example offhand, so help me out. Any of you ever started a job, some kind of a, like a, a, a trade type job, and, and you had to bring your own tools or your own equipment? Anybody? Several, look at that. We're giving you the job, but you've got to bring the stuff to do the job. You know what's it's so amazing with God? Here's the job I want you to do. Here's what I'm calling you to do. Will you do it? Yes. Okay. Awesome. Let me now give you everything you need to do the job. Not have to go earn it. Not have to go deserve it. Not have to go. I want to now empower you to do it. Abraham, take your son, your only son, sacrifice him. Gets up there, he's ready to do it. Hold on, now I know you'll obey me. And look over there, I've provided, I'm asking you to sacrifice, but I've provided the sacrifice. That's why we really should never call what we do sacrifice. How do you sacrifice what was given to you in the first place? And as I said last week, if you got the ownership issue right, God, I'm going to sacrifice and give this to you. I'm sacrificing giving it to you because I took ownership of it. 
when I acknowledge you own it and you're now asking me to give back what you own anyway, I'm now getting a little bit of taste of what fathers experience. Tools. Not showing back up. Freely you have received, freely return. I hope my dad's not listening or watching. He said, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to make you figure out how to do what I'm calling you to do. I'm going to give you. And I'm not going to ask for it back. I'm not just lending it to you. It's now yours to use for the purpose I've called you to fulfill. That's why you and I sitting here, let's be honest, many of us, and probably to a degree, I would say it. We look at people, we look at missionaries that are on, in foreign countries, and, and especially some third world countries, and they don't have the things we have access to, and they don't have the lifestyle we have. And we look at those missionaries as heroes because of the sacrificial life they are living. And if you ever talk to a true God-called missionary, some of them almost get offended with you if that's the way you approach them. Because they don't view what they've been called to do as a sacrifice. It's like the missionaries that were here a couple of weeks ago from Hungary. I got to tell you, if you're going to be called someplace, that would be an awesome place to be called. Because you are guaranteed everywhere you go, there are hungry people. I'll be here Sunday morning. <laughs> they told us sitting outside, the last place in the world we ever planned to go back to was hungry. Some of us feel the same way. Well, we eat all day long. We don't want to go back to hungry. Do do do. But now. Consider an absolute privilege and also now the attitude is they can't believe that they may have to be here until the end of next year before they can get back to where God why because they know who owns them they're also committing to doing his will and understanding that everything he's done is to equip them to do his will. Many of you can quote the second verse I'm about to read. But the disciples say to Jesus, Luke 11 and 1, It came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When you pray, say, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as in heaven, so in earth. There's no place that I know of where it says that you're supposed to pray that prayer 
daily, and I don't mean that prayer, I mean that pattern of prayer, what I think is sort of, at the very least, an implied thing is that that ought to be a pattern of prayer in our lives every single day. And so every single day, we should say, your kingdom come, your will be done. Well, I said that yesterday. You know, hopefully there's no couples in here living this way, but most women are not thankful you told them that you loved them 50 years ago. They want to hear it, hear it again, again, and again, again, and a bunch of more agains. When you got baptized, got the Holy Ghost, in essence, you were surrendering your will. But God's not looking at you going, oh, thank you, you told me 30 years ago you'd surrender. Because really, it's ultimately not about him needing to hear it. It's about us needing to say it. Your will today, God. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. You can't have a kingdom if there's not someone reigning. And whoever's reigning determines whose kingdom it is. So if you're sitting on the throne of your life, it's your kingdom, and God have mercy on you. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I don't know, maybe there's a, a, a heavenly Instagram and a heavenly Facebook. Probably not, but, but let's suppose there was. You think if there is, there's anything posted on there contrary to the will of God. Because in heaven, the will of God reigns without question. So Jesus is saying, you're going to have to pursue getting down here in alignment with, the, with what is up here. And so daily you should be asking for his kingdom to come and his will to be done. Barnes Note says this about a couple of these phrases. Thy kingdom come. The word kingdom here means reign. Note Matthew 2, 3 and 2. The petition is the expression of a wish that God may reign everywhere, that His laws may be obeyed, and especially that the gospel of Christ may be advanced everywhere until the world shall be filled with His glory. You, you know what's so sad? You people know this, but... The rest of the world doesn't understand. The very thing they fight so hard against is the very thing that could fix this world. The laws of God that the world resists is the only hope to fix the world. Got an invitation to attend uh, a, a ceremony at a at, at um, Severna Park Library this week for, uh, there's a memorial that was in Annapolis. It's a, a commemorative of lynchings that took place in this state. And so uh, there had been, it had gotten run into in Annapolis and they put another one there and so they were moving it. And so uh, somehow we got an email invitation and 
So uh, Brother Isaac went with me, went up there the other night, and, 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 and I'm sitting there, and I'm so troubled in my spirit because I'm listening to people, some of which were, did not profess or weren't professing, claiming to be a Christian, but several clergy members. They're all talking about everybody working together to eradicate racism. You ever studied history? Read your Bible? Racism has been around since the beginning of mankind. So first of all, chances of eradicating it are slim to none. But secondly, the only potential of eradicating it is not from what some kind of natural social organizations can do. The only thing that can fix the racial problem of the world, it's not just America that has racial problems. The only thing that can fix the, I mean, we, you could sit here and talk to, to uh, brother and sister Hrumchik. Is, I, I, is that close enough? Just close. If it's not, just be nice to me. But they, they can tell you about racism. Everybody wants to think America is just this worst place and all. It's, it's everywhere and it's been all throughout time. And please, I'm not justifying and condoning. Don't miss, the, don't miss my point. But and they, they announced, they, they referenced, thanks, some, what sounded like some great organizations that were part of that and supporting and whatever. But you can't fix a heart issue with anything else but the great physician that fixes hearts. If we ever would let his kingdom come in this earth. Wow. And it's the very thing that is fought against so much. Thy will be done. The will of God is that people should obey his law and be holy. I know that doesn't fit with this popular Christianity today. Because what you do and how you live doesn't matter. Not sure what Bible you're reading the will of God is that people should obey His law and be holy. The word will here has reference to His law and to what would be acceptable to Him. To pray then that His will may be done on earth as is, as is in, on earth as in heaven is to pray that His law... His revealed will may be obeyed and loved. His law is perfectly obeyed in heaven, and His true children most ardently desire and pray that it may also be obeyed in the earth. And if you don't somehow reach the point in your life that making up your mind, if nobody else wants to do the will of God, if every other person around me wants to figure out a way to live outside of the will of God, I don't care. Teach me to do thy will. The old song we used to sing, and every now and then we may bust out with it, just to walk with him means everything to me. Just to know He's there. His hand is leading me. Though the world may pass me by, go their way, let me be. Just to walk with Him means every 
thing to me. Let the rest of Christianity tell everybody how you live, how you act, how you dress, how you talk, what you do. Let them tell, let everybody say it doesn't matter. Hopefully there's somebody that's saying thy word, not their word. Thy word is the lamp to my feet and the light unto my path. So teach me to do your will. I'm not going to read this next part. I meant to send notes out last week and forgot. I'll try to do my best to share these tomorrow if you want to read some of that. I'm going to miss, skip that for the sake of time. I apologize, and maybe before I send the notes out, I'll do my best to figure this out. I, I, for, I somehow found this in some old notes and missed the, the reference, who it is. But it, it just is so fitting, I wanted to share it anyway. The doing of God's will. Thy will be done. That's what we're supposed to pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Thy will be done is not a prayer of resignation only. Something is to be done. It calls for action, not passivity. It calls for... Okay, God, your will be done. No. Your will be done, and I am going to engage in the best of my ability to be sensitive to your spirit, to your word, for your will to be done. The will is to be done by men. When we pray that men may do it, if we pray honestly, we mean that we are ready to do it. So when you pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, you're, you should be in, a, in, a, in an attitude, in a spirit that you're saying, God, your will be done, and I am submitting to doing your will. When Are we? Are we doing it? Is what we have planned to do today just what we think is the will of God? Is what we have planned to do, excuse me, day to day, just what we think is the will of Is it just what I think? Well, this is what God wants. This is what. Teach me. Perfect me. Equip me, God, so that I can do your will, so that I can walk in your ways. I can follow your paths. I think it was the psalmist that said, show me the path of life. I, w- I was thinking, you know, maybe I'll have to preach another message along the lines of being old-fashioned, and that's about being narrow-minded. There's some things that people mean them negatively, but I'm, I'm, I'm working more and more to embrace them as wonderful compliments. And being narrow-minded is one of those. I've heard it through the grapevine that apparently I'm a narrow-minded person. Well, first thing that comes to mind is broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many go that way. But narrow, straight is the way that leads to life everlasting a week ago Friday I am 
would like to make a resolution that we designated the worst traffic day in the history of Anne Arundel County. I don't know what was going on. It started at least as early as about 11.30, 12 o'clock. By 11.30, usually when 50 is bad and the back roads of St. Margaret's, usually for us, we can still go down College Parkway and then cut across, usually. By about 12 o'clock, I was Ubering last Friday. My wife was the passenger. <laughs> I had driven her around and picking up a couple groceries, and we had the Young Adult Fellowship that night, and I mean, at 12 o'clock, by 12 o'clock, we went down College Parkway about 12 o'clock, and it was pretty much bumper to bumper from the beginning of College Parkway. So in those types of situations, as I'm sure you do, and now with technology, it's a wonderful thing because you can try to figure out another route. I'm not just going to go up to the light, make a U-turn, go down Ritchie Highway and sit and stay on 50 because that's the shortest way mileage-wise. I'm trying to find the fastest way. And I've got, my deal is, if I, I'll go down College Parkway, I'll cut up Baydale Drive, I'll turn left and go down Broadneck Road, come back down, so I cut off a bunch of College Parkway. And now my new thing I've done the last week two times is I'll turn right into the first entrance of Broadneck Park, drive through Broadneck Park, come out the other side. <laughs> and one of the cars I was behind was like second now, so I cut off some time. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. We got, we got a couple of the McGuckians live out that way, McGurks live out that way, maybe a few more. Of course, we're all harping and griping and complaining, and we're on this side of the bridge. We won't even talk about the Eastern Shore folks. They're like sitting there just like rolling their eyes at all of us complaining. So y'all forgive us for a moment as we gripe about how bad we have it. You know what? You want to figure out a, a quickest way, an easiest way for that? Have at it. No problem. You want to figure out the easiest way to do a job you have to do? You want to, you want to, you want to figure out a way to get the best power tools to do a job you want? Have at it. But when it comes to the way to get to heaven, if there's traffic, there's traffic. If the roads close for a little while, you got to wait till the road opens back up. There is no other way. I'm not sure how much more narrow-minded you can get. But we've got this broad Christianity being peddled, and Jesus says, broad is the way. And we got people buying it hook, line, and sinker. Why? Because it appeals to the flesh. And I can be in control. And as I said last week, I can, I can let God buy a timeshare in my life. But the rest of it's mine. I'm winding down. I've been winding down for about an hour. First <laughs> John 5 verse 1. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Huh, there, oh, we've been missing. All you've got to do is believe and you're born again. Of course, I don't really mean that. 
because you can't believe without action. Faith without works is dead. Belief is demonstrated by obedience. So anyway, everyone that loveth him, and everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. You don't, we don't know that you love God because you lift your hands and worship. We don't know that you love God because you showed up for church tonight. We know that you love God because you keep his commandments. We know that you love one another because you keep his commandments. Verse number three, for this is the love of God. This is the love. This isn't the wrath of God. This isn't the anger of God. This is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And oh God, if we could truly, truly believe this last part. His commandments are not grievous. The Amplified says it this way. For the true love of God is this, that we do His commands, keep His ordinances, and are mindful of His precepts and teaching. Keep His ordinances and are mindful of His precepts and teaching. That's the true love of God. And these orders of His are not irksome, burdensome, oppressive, or grievous. His commandments are not grievous. There's no I in there, right? So it's not grievous, it's grievous. We, uh, our sort of big Christmas gift this year was a couple of kayaks for our kids. A couple years ago on vacation, the two boys especially got to doing kayaks and had a blast. And we have a peer access in our community and they've got kayak racks so we got a couple kayaks so timothy and i went out on them the other day and and uh the first day we went out on them we each had uh we i got another life jacket although the one i had was an extra large this one's large and we're not i've been going to the y and i can't get this Closed. I've been doing your workout, Sister Madison. That's just not working. <laughs> but you know what? I, I I I was I was I was in that. I had the extra large, and Timothy had the large. I don't know why, but that's how it worked out. And and if you're trying to paddle with this on, especially that larger one that was too big, I really, without a jacket and all that, I can wear the large. Just so you know. Feeling a little bit defensive in this moment. I don't know why. Last year, 2020 and 22, I lost 22 pounds last year. That was awesome. Problem is the game of hide and seek. I found them. (laughs) Most of them. Not quite all of them, but close. Anyway, never mind. I mean, this was grievous. I'm not a swimmer, so I want the, I feel okay with this on. But you're trying, and, and I, by the time I got back, the sides of my neck were 
they weren't raw, but they were very agitated because every time I was paddling, that thing was rubbing. That was grievous. Then I discovered this is not really a kayaking life jacket. This one is. We tried this one last night. And guess what? No, not guess that I can zip it, but I can zip it. <laughs> this was not grievous. I could paddle freely. wasn't rubbing the sides of my neck. It fit fine. And I knew I was secure. If you're feeling something's grievous, it's not that you need to get rid of a life jacket. If it's feeling grievous, it's probably because you bought it from the wrong person. Because while you think the enemy's ways may feel like they are free from being grievous, they are quite the contrary. But his commandments are not grievous. And they lead to abundant life. They lead to life and life everlasting. Don't don't get rid of the life vest, folks. Just make sure you got the right one. Your will, living by your will, not the way to live. Oh, it may not feel grievous in the moment. But if you follow the path of your will, it will be. But if you'll follow His ways, teach me to do Thy will. I don't know how to do it, God. Not only do I not know how intuitively to do your will, my fleshly nature resists doing your will. But my spirit man has a desire for you to teach me, teach me, To do thy will. Show me the path of life. To me that really is just another way of saying. Teach me to do thy will. I I don't know if I'll get to this next time. I do Lord willing. A couple more weeks I can. If the Lord keeps directing. A couple more opportunities to continue along these lines if that's what the Lord chooses. There's a verse in one of Peter's epistles that makes it very plain. And hear me before I get the chance to teach it. I'm not teaching you tonight or last week that the will of God is just this ten-lane, freshly paved, no potholes, no speed limit highway, 
of just smooth cruising. No. Just because you're doing the will of God doesn't mean you're just strolling through the park. Everything. There are some times that you are doing the will of God and all hell is breaking loose in your life. Jesus told the disciples, get in the ship, go to the other side. They got in the ship in the will of God. They started sailing in the will of God. They intersected a storm in the will of God. That's the challenge. That's part of the challenge. Every, you know, I, 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 it seems like through the years, anytime you ever have, it felt like this, feels like this way, at least with young adults, that anytime you ever open up for questions and discussions, somebody wants to talk about, how do you know the will of God? <laughs> do you want, you, know, you want to know what the part of the challenging part of the will of God is? <laughs> If you're one of those rare people that God tells you every single detail of what to do and where to go and when to do it, do yourself a favor, do not tell us because we might beat you up before you leave. (laughs) For the rest of us that are trying to just be sensitive to what we feel like the Lord is leading us to do and we are not getting the booming voice from heaven telling us every step of the way, Circumstances are a very challenging thing because sometimes the will of God will lead you down a path where all the circumstances fall right into place. Sometimes the will of God will lead you down a path where all of the circumstances are completely against you and it's the will of God. So you can't say, well, the circumstances are good. It must be the will of God. Neither can you say the circumstances are good. It must not be the will of God. Because if it's the will of God, all hell's going to break loose. That, that may, there, there may be some days where it's just all perfectly going along, but there's going to be days where it's difficult. So again, I, I, I think last week I kind of left and, Last Thursday night or maybe in a couple of days or day or so after that, if you've never preached or taught, pretty common thing, you rehash most of it for a day or two. Ah, oh, I forgot to say that. Man, I should have said that. But I, I almost felt like in years, I'm, I'm quitting, but it just, I, I'm not, I don't want to somehow give off the, the impression, the vibe, as they would say nowadays. That doing the will of God is just just wonderful, everything. I'm not sick, I don't have any pain, all my bills are paid and extra money's in the bank and the car's running, the kids are behaving, the wife's behaving. Not that way, not that way. But as I've already said, and I will say it again, there is no better place to be than in the perfect will of God. I 
think I said it this way last week or something similar, and I'll say it again tonight. A bad day in the will of God is still better than the best of days out of the will of God. Father, thank you so much for this time this evening. Thank you for precious people that are hungry, desirous to do your will. None of us do it perfectly. None of us will ever do it perfectly. But I, I thank you, Lord, because I believe I am in a, in a room with a group of people that desire. So, God, I, I say for myself and believe that others will join me in saying the same thing that David said. Teach me to do your will. Lord, I acknowledge, I confess, there's, there's a lot of things about your will that can be contrary to my will. There's some things about your will, God, that are not my preference. They're not my tastes. There's just nothing like living and being in your will. Teach us, Lord. Lord, your word tells us that there's some pretty significant things that are determined based on whether or not we did your will. So I pray that you would help us. Lord, it seems to be a given that most of us definitely want to do your will when it comes to those big, major life decisions. But I'm asking you to help us, God, to realize on a daily basis, a moment-by-moment basis, that we are supposed to be aware of your will and pursuing living in your will. I pray, God, that if there's any area of my life tonight that is out of alignment with your will, that by your grace you would show me and help me to bring that into alignment. I want to walk in your ways. I want to walk in your paths. I want to be led by you, God. There's no better way to live. There's no better place to be. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen.